You're listening to the New Life Church Sunday Morning Podcast. We're a family of believers in Anderson, Missouri, that want to experience God in a real way, both inside and outside the walls of a building. For more Sunday messages, upcoming events, or to get in touch, visit new-life-church.net. Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then said the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said unto her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that says unto thee, Give me to drink, thou would have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman said unto her, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence have you this living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us this well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come here to draw. And Jesus said unto her, Go and call thy husband and come hither. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that you say truly. The woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive thou art a prophet, <laughs> you reckon? Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where we ought to worship. And Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain nor at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman said unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, What seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot, and went her way into the city, and saith unto the men, Come, see a man which told me all the things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. Amen. Go ahead, Brother Khalif, if you don't mind. That is Diana Nyad. Uh, some of you probably have heard that name. Uh, in 2013, she swam from Cuba to Florida. It is a 111-mile swim. It is the Mount Everest of swimming, literally. Uh, it is 111 miles of shark-infested, jellyfish-infested waters where the Gulf Stream flows due east about three or four times faster than you're swimming due north. Uh, she was 64 years old 
when she completed this swim, and she's the only one that has ever completed that swim that we know of that did it without a shark cage. It's an amazing story of triumph and victory. But yet, at the same time, her backstory is riddled with a number of things. She came from a broken home. She was sexually abused by her swim coach over a number of years uh, as she was leading up to trying to get to the Olympics. As a matter of fact, on the night before she was supposed to do her biggest swim meet, which would have taken her to Mexico City for the Olympics, which was her goal and life's dream, he assaulted her again and she ended up not winning that race. Um, she was also afflicted with a heart infection which kept her in the bed for three months, which also uh, uh, slowed her down somewhat. She tried this swim four times before she actually completed it. Once when she was age 28, the other ones 30 years later she started again. And uh, it took her four more attempts before she actually did it. It's, it's an amazing backstory. Everybody has a backstory. You know what I'm saying? Every one of us, every person who has ever experienced a victory or a triumph in their life, usually has a backstory to tell, uh, you know, that, that has contributed in somewhat oppositions that you faced. And I look at, you know, in this audience, in our congregation today, and if we had time for each and every person to share their backstories, we would be here for a long time. But there would be a lot of stories of triumph, but there would also be stories of abuse, perhaps, or abandonment, or disappointment, or heartache, or discouragement, or, you know, times when we thought things were going to turn out a certain way and they just didn't, and dreams that we're still holding on to that we still haven't seen realized yet. How many of you know that everybody has a backstory? And uh, in the Bible, I look, you know, and I see people in the Word of God, and every, uh, you know, every victory practically in the Word of God has an amazing backstory to it. And, you know, just to name a few, you know, I, I, you know, like look at Joseph, you know, sold into slavery by his brothers, and, you know, wrongly accused uh, of assault, and then ending up in prison for a number of years before uh, he finally made it to Pharaoh's court. Look at Moses. I mean, you know, here's a person who killed a man and buried him in the sand and spent 40 years on the run before God called him out and decided to make him a deliverer of his people. And then there's Daniel who was carried off into exile as a young boy and, you know, and actually served five foreign kings in the palace court and was a greatly revered person in Babylon. Amazing backstories. I think about the disciples themselves. I mean, you know, these guys, they were, you know, they were not the cream of the crop. You know, I, I've always, I've often thought, you know, that if I was, if I had been Jesus and I came to earth and, and my goal was to start a worldwide ministry, these probably are not the guys I would have hand chosen. You know, I mean, I would have picked people who had like, you know, charisma and, uh, and some popularity and some financial backing and a lot of intellect. But the Word of God says that these guys were ignorant and unlearned. And then we had the tax collector that wasn't that great of a popular fellow. And you had, you know, you had these dumb fishermen, you know. But guess what? You know, God wants to write the ending to our backstory, and that's really the, really the message that I came to share with you today. 
is that God wants to write the ending to your backstory. Because when God gets involved in our life, irregardless of what our past is, and you know, regardless of, of the struggles or the failures or the things that we've had take place that have drug us down and make us think ill of ourselves or other people, and you know what? God has a way of turning that around. And He has a way of making things all, all better. What does the Bible say? Jesus said, Behold, I make all things, all, make all things new. Amen? He came to make things new. And when He gets involved, things change. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. I, I love this story of this lady um, in, this, in, this, in the Bible here, this Samaritan woman. And, I, you know, you read that scripture and there's kind of a couple of overlying themes in this particular uh, chapter that I read. And uh, we'll talk about one of them. But there's a reason why uh, that John mentions this, the Samaritans and the worship and, and the Pharisees and that sort of thing because religion was a big deal. Religion was a real big deal. As a matter of fact, everybody pretty much was depending upon religion to get them to heaven. Okay, and uh, but you know when Jesus came, he had a whole new had a whole new idea. Uh, you know, the goal was not to really involve yourself in a bunch of ritualism and liturgy, but the goal was to get involve yourself in a relationship with an Almighty God. I mean, think about Christ's backstory. Hello, he came from heaven, glory where he'd been the Son of God, or, you know, the, I mean, the third person of the Godhead, or the second person, however you want to put it. Amen. He, he came from heaven to earth. Emmanuel, God with us. Are y'all with me today? Somebody say amen in this house. You're scaring me. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right. Well, he came to heaven, from heaven to earth, and he came with purpose. Amen. And his purpose was to engage with us. And, and you know what? I love the stories in the Gospels, how that when He showed up and He began to walk around and do the things that He was doing, He just stepped off into people's lives, man. I mean, you know, they were going about their business doing whatever it is that they were supposed to be doing. And, you know, the Bible says that the fishermen were down, you know, at the, at the seashore washing their nets and getting ready to go out and, and do the work that the, uh, uh, you know, the sons of Zebedee Fishing Company did. And, and Jesus just stepped right off into their life and said, hey, you guys caught any fish? You know? No, we haven't caught any fish. We toiled all night. We didn't catch nothing. Hey, let's, let's, let's take the boat out, why don't we? I can just see the sons of Zebedee or Peter or James or John going, you know, I can tell that you're a rabbi or a teacher, but fishing is our business. I mean, you know, we don't go around preaching sermons, you know? So, we're, you know, don't tell us how to fish, you know, because this is what we do for a living. We pay our rent fishing. Hello? And, and, you know, but Jesus said, hey, if you'll go with me and you just let me engage with you and you let me step off into your world, guess what? I'm going to show you something that you've never seen before. And so they get out into the, into the water and what happens? They catch more fish than they ever thought they could catch. And what does Peter do? He falls on the bottom of the boat and he says, Lord, depart from me. I'm a wretched man. I'm a sinner. I don't deserve to be in your presence. What was he saying? Lord, my backstory doesn't match up with who you are. How many of you know our backstories are never going to match up with who Christ is? Amen. He, doesn't, he did not come to a people who were perfect. He came to seek and to save those which are lost. 
He came to reach out to, the, to all of us who are in need of a Savior and everybody in this room is in need of a Savior. Hopefully you found Him already, but if you haven't found Him today, man, I have wonderful news for you. Praise God. Hallelujah. This is your fortunate day because guess what? All you got to do is just recognize the fact that Christ wants to be in your world, that He does understand what your backstory is, that it's not going to be something that causes Him to step away from you. But He says, if any man come to me, I will in no wise cast him out. Amen. That's the kind of God we serve. I love this story in John because the Bible says that Jesus heads up towards Samaria and it says he must need go through Samaria or he had to go through some Actually, he did not. He did not have to go through Samaria. In fact, most Jews would not have gone through Samaria. As, as most of you probably know, the Jews hated the Samaritans. They were always the, 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 uh, you know, the outcasts. And the reason being is, is because hundreds of years before, the Assyrians had had the Jews in exile, and a lot of the Jews intermarried with the Samaritans. And so when, when they went back to Jerusalem and back to their homeland, many of them chose to stay, and they were half-breed. That's, that's how they looked on them. And so they would not let them come and worship in Jerusalem with them. They said, you're not wanted. And so over hundreds of years of time, basically the Samaritans had to rewrite their history. Amen. That's why when the lady said, you know, you worship in Jerusalem, we worship at Mount Gerizim, the reason for that is, is because they rewrote history. The original fake news right here. Mount Sinai was no longer the holy mount. Mount Gerizim was. Why? Because it was in Samaria. Amen. And over hundreds of years, they bought into it, obviously. And this is what was taught to their children, etc. And so, you know, they were living kind of a false religion to a certain extent. But they really didn't have much choice because they weren't welcome in Jerusalem anyway. And so here is Jesus going to Samaria... And he could have crossed over to the east side of the Jordan River and went up, but he didn't. He decided to go right to Samaria. Why? Why? Because Jesus will come where you're at. Christ will come where you're at. You know, I want to, I want to say something about your backstory for a moment that I didn't mention earlier. And that is, you know, a lot of times when we talk about people's history, you know, there's times when folks are... Some of you perhaps may be sitting there and thinking, yeah, buddy, but you don't know what my history was. You don't understand what I had to go through and that I didn't deserve any of that. And, and let me say this, you're absolutely right. You didn't deserve any of that. If you had abusive parents or you were abandoned or neglected or mistreated or misused, you didn't deserve any of that. And sometimes people get something in their mind and heart and say, you know, if God wants to write the ending to my backstory, how come He didn't write the beginning? How come God didn't fix the problem from the get-go? Why did He allow me to go through this stuff? And you know what? The, that, at, at the answer to that question is in one word, and it's sin. S-I-N, sin. Because when sin came into this world, amen, Men and women had the opportunity to willfully choose to disobey God. And you know what? People are subjected to other people's sin. 
And, but that does not change the power and the presence of an almighty God. Because the Word of God says where sin abounds, guess what? Grace doth much more abound. Amen. Irregardless of the wounds, the healing is even greater. Amen. Forget the bondage because the freedom is there. God has made a way for us to overcome our backstories if we will allow Him to do so. So I want to encourage you with that. That you don't have to be bound up and be victimized by somebody else's behaviors or the past sins of someone else. You have the opportunity to lay it at the Master's feet and become all that God wants you to be because guess what, guys? You are a masterpiece. You are God's creation. You are His workmanship. God loves you with an undying, unfeigning love. Amen. Amen. This woman happens upon uh, uh, Jesus. And don't you just love, uh, you know, I love it when it, it just so happened. Huh? Probably some version says that. It just so happened that this woman happens to show up. I, I, my, my second point today, my first point is, is that Jesus will come where you're at. My second point is quite plainly, nothing is happenstance with God. There is no such thing as luck. God doesn't have a lottery up there and He's spinning a wheel trying to figure out who's going to win and who's going to lose. Amen. There is no happenstance with God. What God does, He does with purpose. Amen. Everything that we're trying to get from the Lord, amen, everything that we need from the Lord, He has. And He is so willing to bestow it upon us if we would just allow Him to be number one in our life and give Him the reins of our life. He will, he will, he will do those things that we need done. And, and, but you know what? He sends people and He orchestrates situations and He causes things to take place that kind of lead us to where He wants us to be. You know, all of us that have been saved, uh, you know, we could probably tell our stories today about things that took place where God intervened or He sent some brother to work with us or there was somebody who happened to be there who gave us a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ or maybe some situation took place where we saw, we look back and we're able to see God's hand in it. Amen. That's because God doesn't do nothing by chance, y'all. He is ordaining every step that we take. The Bible says that our, our steps are ordained of God. Amen? And so this woman just happened to show up at this well at the time when Jesus happened to be sitting there. And uh, there was a reason why she came at noontime, of course. And that is because of her reputation and the fact that, uh, you know, they lived in a village. Hello? And word gets around. I mean, you think McDonald County's kind of tight. I mean, you should have lived in Sychar. Hello. I mean, if you was a woman who uh, had five husbands and was living with some guy in that time, in that culture, uh, I can assure you that your, your reputation was probably well known. And I doubt you had too many friends. And so in the heat of the day, most women would come to the well probably before the sun even came up when it was nice and cool, and they would go and get their water for the day. And of course, you know, it was kind of like going to the office and standing around the water cooler. You know, you got all the news and all the gossip and all the, all the interaction. Amen. But this woman, she didn't come at that time because she was part of the news and the gossip and the interaction. Hello? 
And so she comes all by herself in the heat of the day. What a burden. What an awareness. What a reminder each and every day who she is and what has happened in her life. The burden of her sin was ever before her. And there on that well sat Jesus. And what does He do? He reaches out to her because He already knows her backstory. He knows what she's carrying. He knows that that water pot is heavy, but it's not nearly as heavy as her past. It's not nearly as heavy as her guilt. Amen. And He reaches out to her and He says, Hey, give me a drink. Just simple. You know, God uses practical stuff, y'all. Amen. And he, he, he just begins to reach out in a very practical way and says, I'm thirsty. You know, I don't have nothing to get anything out of the well with. You obviously brought your pot with you. Can you give me a drink? And immediately she's shocked. You know, she's shocked to know that, that this man of God, who is a rabbi and a teacher uh, and, and a Jew, would even take the time to reach out to her and actually engage with her. And she says it straight up. You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. I'm a woman Samaritan. Okay? You know what? The Jews had a couple of pray, uh, prayers. Jewish men had a couple of prayers they prayed every day. One of them was the Shema or whatever. The Lord our God is one God and all that. And, but one of the prayers that they prayed was a, a prayer of thankfulness. They thanked God every day that they was not a slave, a Gentile, or a woman. Those were the three worst things you could be in that particular culture. Amen. And so here she is. She's recognizing the fact that, hey, you know what? I'm two out of three. I can't believe you're even engaging with me. And Christ begins to look at her and He looks straight into her heart. How many of you know God knows your heart? Amen. He looks straight into her heart and He says, you know, if you knew who I was, if you understood what I had to offer, too many times we are oblivious to the fact that God has something amazing to offer us. Amen. He is, he is holding in His hands the answers to the questions that we have had in our minds for so long. He has the secret to the joy that maybe is lacking in our life. Amen. He's got the ability to take away all of the guilt and the sin that's been in our heart. He is able to set us free from the addictions that we have been bound to. Are y'all following me today? Amen. I know this because I've been there. Amen. I know this because God is able to set free and deliver and, and raise somebody up out of the very pit of sin because I've been in that pit of sin. And many of you have as well as, you, as I've heard your testimonies. Amen. And God is looking out and He reaches out to this woman and God uses the ordinary to do the extraordinary. He uses the ordinary to do the extraordinary. Sometimes we're looking for God to do something just you know, magnificent, miraculous, and out of the ordinary. And, and you know what? He can do that because He's God and He can do jolly well what He pleases. I mean, he can, he, can, he can bring a miracle into your life. He can, he can do whatever He wants. Man, I believe in the, in the miracle powering of God, don't you? Amen. Hallelujah. But God doesn't always do that. As a matter of fact, on the norm, <laughs> He usually doesn't. 
on the norm, usually He uses the ordinary things in our life to show us who He is and to give us strength and to make us stronger. Amen? And to help us to see that, you know what? Through Christ we can do all things. Amen? Through Christ who strengthens us, we can get through the tough situations. When we're stretched to the limit and we look back and we say, you know what? How many times has God got us through, y'all? Amen. How many times have you been through a situation to where you're like, God, don't you care? Are you there? Don't you hear me? I mean, I'm the only guy in this room that's ever said that. Amen. I mean, you know, how many times have you thought to yourself, why is somebody else getting the blessing, but I'm not getting it? I mean, come on, God, I'm doing all I'm supposed to be doing. Why can't you do something for me? You know, we was watching a, a um, video yesterday. Have you seen, I, I forget what that little guy's name is. He has no arms or legs, but he preaches. He was, how many of you have seen? Raise your hand that way. I know you're alive. Okay, great, yeah. And, and so, anyway, he's up there preaching, right? And uh, one of the things that he mentions if I can remember it, because it just now slipped my mind. <laughs> One of the, what was I talking about, brother? Tell me real quick. Yeah, I got that part the, before that. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, anyway, praise God. We'll move on. All right. <laughs> I'll think of it here in a second. I'll go back. All right, so he uses the ordinary to do the extraordinary. Listen, religion is no substitute for relationship. And, and, and this lady, she begins to engage with Christ and she starts bringing up all of the excuses and all of the things that has to do with religion rather than relationship. Guys, you know, you don't have to be in some sort of a, a ritualistic religion or, you know, some other... Uh, you know, I don't want to mention any denominations or whatever, but I'm just saying, you don't have to be in a ritualistic religion, okay, to get caught up in religion rather than relationship. You know, you can come to this church every week, and you can look at it as if this, the act of being here is going to be enough to actually have a relationship with Christ. And you can show up every week, and you can... You know, give money in the offering, and you can even serve on the ministry team or whatever. But you know what? None of that is going to replace an ongoing, vibrant relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And, you know, I grew up in church, man. And, you know, I got took to church every time the doors were open, and we had it almost every day, practically, back then. And... I mean, it seemed like there was very few days we wasn't going to church for some reason. And when I was a kid growing up, you didn't ever have to ask Daddy if you were going or not. You were going. Are you breathing? Yeah, you're going to church. That's the way it works. And so, like, we would, we would be there every time the doors opened. And you know what? I never came to know the Lord as my Savior. I mean, man, I'm playing, I, I played the guitar on, on the stage, you know, and, and the worship team. Of course, they didn't call that then. But anyway, but I, I was an instrumentalist on the stage. And, and uh, you know, we was there every time and, and, you know, going to youth group and doing all the things. But, you know, guess what? I didn't have a relationship with the Lord. It was all a ritual. It was just walking in the door, doing what you think you're supposed to be doing and walking back out. And if we're not careful, we'll get caught up in that same type of behaviors. And we miss out on the most important thing at all, and that is right standing before us. 
You know, when you walk into these doors every Sunday, you know, I'll, it would be great if we could just visualize this place as a well. Amen. A place to come and to get a drink of water. Amen. To be refreshed and renewed. That's what we should, we should see this place like that. And you know what? We should see Jesus just sitting on the side of the well. Huh? And He's saying, come on. Come unto me. All ye that are weak and are heavy laden, if you're thirsty, come unto me and I'll give you living water and out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. I mean, you know, if we came in here every day and we thought to ourselves, man, I don't want to leave here unless I know for a fact I have encountered Jesus Christ. Because that's our goal. That's our goal. We encounter Him through the preaching of this Word. Amen. This is His Word. Praise God. Hallelujah. And, and we encounter Him through, through worship and praise. Amen. As we lift our hearts together and we begin to sing praises unto God. It's not just words on a screen. It's just not music and lyrics. Amen. It is, it is an effort on our part to connect with the Almighty God, y'all. Amen. When we give our money, amen, it's an act of worship. Amen. We shouldn't give out of guilt or just because there's some special need. Hello. Amen. We should give because it is an act of worship unto God. And we're, and we're giving Him a sacrifice of praise. Are y'all with me today? Amen. When we walk in these doors and we leave knowing that we've had an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ, Amen. That the Messiah, you know, I love this passage of Scripture where, where the woman looks at him and says, you know, I know, you know, that, that there's a Christ. I know there's one that's coming. They call him the Christ, the Messiah. I know that this guy actually is, uh, is real. And Jesus looks at her and says, I'm him. It's the only place I've ever found in Scripture, and there may be another one if there is, let me know. But it's the only place I've ever found really in Scripture where he looks straight at somebody and says, I'm the Messiah. I'm Him. You know, you're looking at Him. Hello? <laughs> I mean, He's not trying to hide Himself. He's not trying to be covert. Amen. Who does He tell it to? A Samaritan sinner woman. Amen. The, the other one that gets as close as it, as it can be is Pilate when he's getting ready to sign his death certificate. And he says, what is true? You know, I mean, like Jesus, like he reveals himself to, not, to the, not to the priest, not to the Pharisee. He reveals himself to the ones who need him most. That's us, y'all. Amen. That's us. And so he uses the ordinary to do the extraordinary. Religion is no substitute for relationship. What God has for us is available for the asking. Amen. All you got to do is ask. James said you have not because you ask not. Amen. What is it that you're needing from God? What kind of things are going on in your life that you need the Lord to intervene? You know, oftentimes we, man, we take it upon ourselves that we're going to fix the problem. We're just going to do it until we're going to gut it out. You know what I'm saying? But sometimes, you know, God does want us to do our part, but at the same time, He wants us to just lay it at the Master's feet and to give Him the opportunity, praise God, to do what He does best. And He says, you know what? If you will just ask, you shall receive. If you ask, you shall receive. Too often times, we're afraid to ask. 
We're too, we're too head up on doing it our way and we don't take time to let the Lord Jesus Christ step into the situation and do what He does best. The Bible says it's the Father's good pleasure to give gifts to His children. Amen. He, I, I believe when we get to heaven, amen, probably God's going to take us to some room. This is Jerry Duke theory here, okay? probably going to take us to some room and open up the door and there's going to be all these gifts that are just going to be piled in this huge room and it's all going to have our name on it. And we're going to say, what's all this? And he says, that's all the stuff you didn't ask me for. It's all the stuff you thought you could do without or you could do, get on your own. I, I, I'm willing to give it to you if you just ask. Amen. Hallelujah. What does he say? He said, give us this day our daily bread. Man, daily, we should come to the Lord and ask. He looked at this woman and he said, if you just knew who you were talking to and you were to ask of me, I would give you living water. Living water. He was talking about the Spirit of the, of the living God. Amen. He said, I'll give you living water that you won't, you won't ever thirst again. I know what you're really thirsty for. You're really thirsty for acceptance and affirmation and love, amen, and concern and, and someone who actually cares about you. And if you just ask, I got it. I'm that person. Hallelujah. Some of these dear ladies in our church that have lost their spouses, they have likely come to the awareness that God is there for them in a way that they probably never knew that He was there before. Because you know in those times when, it's, when they're lonely and they're, and they're by themselves, you know what the Lord just loves to just saddle up next to you? Isn't that right? He comes along and He just saddles up next And And you know what? I, I, there's times when I've been praying before and I've just lifted my hand in faith all by myself and said, Lord, would you just slip your hand into mine? You know, I can't say I ever felt His hand go into mine, but you know what I had? I had the assurance that He was there. I had the awareness that, you know what? God, would you just wrap your arms around me? And would you just hold me for a minute because I need you? And you know what? And when we call out to God and we look to Him, amen, as our, as our greatest source of strength and comfort, that He does just that. He will just come down right where we're at and He will just wrap His arms around us and He'll let us know that without a shadow of a doubt, we are His child and that He loves us. He loves us better than any earthly father can love his child. Amen. Better than any earthly mother can love her child. Praise God. What God has for us is available for the asking. And He will not reject us because of our past. He knew what her past was. You can't hide nothing from God. Amen. You ever tried to pray insincerely? <laughs> you know, I, I remember, I won't tell you the story, but I had a situation one time at a church where, uh, you know, a deacon did me wrong and cheated me out of some money. And, and you know, I was, uh, <laughs> and the Lord, I, I went through a big process and the Lord said, I, want, I said, God, what do you want from me? I mean, you know, I've, I've, done, I've been through all these different changes. I've asked for forgiveness. I've done all this and that. And, 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 uh, and the Lord said, I want you to pray for him. I want you to pray for him. His name was Pete. And I, I said, okay, pray for Brother Pete. Yeah, I can pray for him. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the Lord said, no, 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 no. He said, I want you to pray that I'll bless him. I was like, bless him? 
was like, man, I was thinking more on the lines of cursing him. And I had some great ideas just in case God was running short that day. And, and you know, there's a big tree beside his shop. I was thinking or his dog could die or something. I mean, and, and I, was, I was like, you know, I don't know about that. And he goes, no, I want you to pray that I'll bless you. And I'll never forget, man, first time. I was like, okay, yeah, all right. And, you know, so the first time I get down to pray, you know, I'm, I'm kneeling there, you know, and I'm like, God, bless Pete. <laughs> it didn't take very many times before I figured out, this is stupid. I mean, he knows I don't really want him to bless Pete. I mean, I mean, he's God, unfortunately. He knows everything. Hello. And, and I'm like, this is dumb. You know, I mean, I, I, I'm going to have to actually mean this, you know, because I got to be obedient to God, you know. And I'm like, I got I to gotta actually mean this, man. And, and you know what? It took a little bit, but I, I was able to get down there and, and be like, God, bless Brother Pete. Bless his home. Bless his health. Bless his family. Yes, Lord, bless his finances. And I'll tell you, when I got to the place where I could pray for Brother Pete like that, it was a done deal. I ain't had no problems anymore with Pete. I've seen him many times since then. He's never one time even told me he was sorry for what he did or acknowledged that he did it. But you know, when I see him, I walk up and shake his hand. Hey, man, how you been? He's got really nice hair. I'm like so envious. And I'm like, and I'm like you, you're doing good, man? <laughs> God won't reject us because of our past. He wants us to give our past to Him. Amen. He came to bind up the brokenhearted. Amen. He came to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captive free. Amen. He came to change our path. Not to change the past, but to write the ending to our backstory. Are you hearing me today? Do you know your story's been written? It's being written every day. Amen. Every day is a part of your backstory. What you do today is going to be your backstory tomorrow. Amen. And so God wants to write the ending to that backstory. He wants it to turn out right. God's ending to our story always includes His purpose for us in Christ. You know the sad thing about Diane and I, Ed? The sad thing was is that in spite of all the triumph and the victory and the determination and the tenacity and the ability, my Lord, 64 years old, swimming 111 miles across shark-infested ocean water. Are y'all, can you even imagine? They gave her one-tenth of one percent of a chance to actually do it. You know, and she, would ne and she said she would never give up. I mean, you know, by fifth time, you know. I mean, she didn't even start trying to do it again until she was 59 years old. And, and so, I mean, it's just amazing. Triumph. But the sad thing is, is that to my knowledge, she still has missed out on the greatest victory there is. Because of the things that had taken place in her past, which has skewed her thinking, and her, her, God has never yet had the opportunity to write His story on her heart. Because, and it has affected her spirituality and her sexuality. She's an atheist and an open lesbian. And so she is yet to experience the real victory that God has. So it doesn't matter what we accomplish on our own, y'all. Amen. If, the, if at the end of the road, 
We lose our soul. Irregardless of all the effort that we put forth and the, and the victories that we've brought about for ourselves and the success that we've had, amen, if, if we don't give God the opportunity to write the ending to the story, we're going to miss out. We're going to lose out. Amen. In order to see the ending God has, we've got to be willing to let Him have the, have, have the, uh, the pen. I, I brought a little pen with us today. Little pen. And you know, I was thinking about this lady, and when the Lord began to speak to her heart and she she finally got it, and and you know, uh, the Bible says that she left her water pot. She, she left her water pot and she ran into the city and said, Come see a man. Y'all, come here. I mean, this is the woman who was a reject. She was stigmatized. She was ostracized by her community. Nobody wanted to have anything to do with her. Amen. But guess what? When God cleans you up and you got something going on in your spirit that came from God, you know what? You want somebody else to have some of it. Amen. Suddenly she was experiencing joy, unspeakable, amen, and full of glory. Are you hearing me today? Jesus made good on His promise. What did He tell her? If you just ask, I'll give you living water. It's going to spring up from within you. Amen. Listen, that living water was flooding out of this woman. Amen. She had it going on like a chicken bone, y'all. Amen. She, she come running down into the, into the city, and, and I imagine she was trying to get the attention of every person she could find. Come and see a man. Come see a man. Man, listen, I have found the Messiah. I've seen, I have found the one who has the answer. He can change your life. He has changed my past. Amen. He's done away with my past because I'm a new creation in the Lord Jesus Christ. What does the Bible say? Put off the old man, put on the new man. Amen. Put off the old man, put on the new man. God doesn't want you walking around in a bunch of grave clothes. Amen. He doesn't want you carrying the weight of the past and the burdens of your mistakes and, and your shame and your guilt. He's, he's saying today, leave your water pot. That water pot represented a lot more than just a water. It represented everything that she hated about her life. Because every day she had to pick up that water pot and make that lonely journey to that well where she knew there wasn't going to be nobody there to ask her how her day was or how her life was getting along or if there was anything they could do for her. Amen. And suddenly she had a friend. Had a friend who really loved her. Amen. Who's writing the ending to your backstory? Are you writing it? Young people, are you writing it? Amen. Old folks, <laughs> are you still writing your backstory? God wants to write the ending to your backstory. He has got the sweetest words that He wants to pen in your life, in your heart, and in your mind, and most of all, in the portals of glory. Amen. The first thing He wants to write is your name in the Lamb's Book of Life. There ain't nothing better than that. That's as good as it gets right there, guys. Amen. But from that point forward, He also has a purpose and a plan for each and every one of us. And you know what? As we give to God our lives, as we commit ourselves in a sacrifice unto Him, 
and we say, Lord, you know what? I, my life belongs to You. There's a lot to that statement when we pray with someone and we, and we say, pray this prayer and really mean it. And, and, you, and as you're praying, you say, Lord, I want You to be Lord of my life. That, that's not just a phrase. That's not just some terminology. I mean, basically what you're saying is, is that I'm going to step off the throne of my heart and I'm going to let Christ take His rightful place in the throne of my life. He is going to be the one who's going to be the ruler. He's going to be Lord. He's going to be in control. Both of you can't control. Amen. Men, when you're driving down the highway, you don't want your wife reaching over and grabbing the steering wheel, do you? No, you do not. <laughs> <laughs> they were scared to death right then, women. I, you know, they were just, I ain't saying that. That's a loaded question. Amen. You want to be in control, right? Amen. God wants to be in control of your life. He don't want to share the, share the wheel with nobody. Amen. I want to finish with this. A few questions here real quickly. How long will you allow the past to determine your future? How long will you allow your past to determine your future? Listen, guys. Let the past be the past. You can't undo it. Somebody told me years ago, when I was talking about my own past, they said, you know what? Your past is like concrete. There's nothing you can do about it. It's set. It's done. It's already done. You can't change it. It's already there. If you did bad things, you did bad things. I've done a lot of bad things in my life. Amen. But you know what? The future, now that's like wet cement. That's like wet cement. And you know God wants to write his He wants to write his right in it. He wants to leave his thumbprint in your wet cement. He wants to make his impression upon your future. And so forget the past. Amen. It's time to let go of the things and the hurts and the, and the bitterness and the resentment and the anger and the disappointments and the discouragement. And I could just go on and on and on. Because none of that stuff's good for you. Amen. It's time for you to reach out and to grab hold of the joy and the peace and the love and the, and, and the things that God has in store for you. Amen. Time to change from the past to the future. How long will you con continue to try to quench your thirst with the material rather than the spiritual? You can't substitute what God has with what you have. Because you ain't got nothing that even comes close to what God is offering. Amen. All the success, all the money, the relationships, everything that you can think of that makes you happy, listen, it is a temporary thing and it is very material. But God, what God has is eternal. It's never going to fade away. Amen. It will last forever. It'll last forever. It is no comparison. You could be the poorest person on this planet monetarily and still be the happiest person in the world if you got Jesus in your life. That joy is unspeakable and full of glory. Finally, when will you allow Christ to begin writing the end to your story? If you haven't already, when? When's, when, are, when will you give Him the pen? Amen. You know, um, nobody can make that decision but you yourself. No one can make it for you. Can't be guilted into it. Although we preachers have tried that a few times.
you know. We, I, I, I mean, we, you can't be scared into it. And, uh, you know, I, got, I said before, you know, I used to get saved every Sunday night because they preached on hell every Sunday night, you know. And, but, you know, that, I didn't really get saved, you know. I mean, I, wasn't, I could go through the motion, but I wasn't really serious. But, you know, when you get to a place in your life where you recognize that you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, when you're tired of the same old thing, I'm not going to be a victim no more. Hello. I'm not going to continue to keep myself in this cycle of, of craziness and chaos and confusion. Amen. When you get to that place where you're willing to let God have the pen, He is so ready to take it. And all He's, at, all he's looking for is for you to ask. Amen. Hallelujah. Do you believe that today? Will you give the Lord a praise offering this morning? Would you do that? <laughs> Hallelujah. We're going to say a prayer today. I want to pray with you. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Father, we thank you today. God, Lord, for the words that you've given us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the message that you laid on, this, on my heart today. I pray, God, that you would just touch every heart and soul in this place today. Lord, if there's someone here today who uh, recognizes that uh, uh, it's time for them to let you have control of their life, I pray today that they would just have the boldness and the courage to ask Jesus into their heart and to receive you as, your, as their Lord and Savior. God, I pray, Lord God, that they would be willing to just cast their burdens upon you. I pray, God, that their past would become just that, their past. And that you, they would recognize that the future that you have for them is bright and glorious and full of good things. God, Lord, we just praise you today and worship you in Jesus' name. We ask, God, that you would just keep your hand upon every family in this house. Lord, uh, give us an awesome week this week. Help us to recognize your hand in our life this week as we give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys today.